the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, and happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. Boy, have we got controversy going on, Ken, with this abortion thing. I'm telling you. Oh, really? I hadn't noticed, Doc. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've stood by this for decades. Why are we outsourcing birthing children and bringing them in across the southern border? Why don't we just have our own? I I guess it's just part of this whole outsourcing thing of uh, having everything made overseas or (laughs) outside of the borders. I mean, I I don't get it. Nobody asked me, so I'm not going to offer any opinion on it. But this I do believe. I believe that life longs for itself, and I've said that before. And uh, women say, well, it's our bodies and ourselves. You know what? We're herd animals. We belong to each other. Come on. What do you think? There's two there's just one person involved in, in having a baby. Come on, there's two people, and usually more than that, because you'll have a mother and a mother-in-law in the middle of it too. So, but uh, well, there, there's a there is a population decline in this country going on right now. Yeah, I know. You know, nobody wants to work, and having a baby and raising a kid, it's work. It's work, Ed. You can say that again. Yeah. Oh my gosh! If I had killed mine when they were. <laughs> Oh, I, I would have had a much richer life, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, that it's, it's expensive raising a kid, absolutely. Expensive, and uh, it, you, you don't see a lot of really super highly successful people that are um, deeply involved with family. I mean, you just don't see it because they're busy with their careers. Trying yeah. to pay for it all, yeah. I mean, you know, look at Bill Gates. He didn't get married till what, he was in his 40s, and he's got one kid who I think is in medical school. He should be graduating anyway. So I got to tell you about my mother. Gosh, what a great lady. I do this every year, and uh, it's probably getting a little old for some of you who have listened to the show for the past decade, but I think it's worth repeating. You know, I was looking at uh, the old Courier-Journal, which is a Louisville newspaper, and Found her in uh, the 19th of September, 1951 edition. Now, at that time, Governor Lawrence Weatherby had set up a commission uh, to see about integrating schools. He favored uh, the end of segregation in Kentucky. This was in 1951, so that was before, what, the 1954 um, Supreme Court ruling, what was that, uh, state of Arkansas, school board or somebody versus whoever. Was that the Brown case? Yeah, Brown yeah. versus, yeah, Brown, yeah. So that that was the official end of it, but Kentucky being uh, actually a pretty liberal state in many ways had already started investigating this. Well, guess who was the head of the committee looking at this? My mother. 
my mother, Catherine Handelman of the State Board of Health, she was the chairperson of the committee looking at ending segregation in schools in Kentucky, public schools in Kentucky. Hard to believe. That old gal, she did a lot in her life. You know, she was on three presidential commissions on youth and child welfare. And uh, I've got a letter somewhere stashed away from Vice President Alvin Barkley, who was, by the way, the uh, governor of Kentucky at one time, and he was vice president under Harry Truman. You might not remember Harry Truman. He was the one who defeated Dewey in 48 and got us involved in the Korean War. And he was a big uh, uh, liberal guy. He was a Democrat, and he believed in integration. He integrated the Army. Did you know that? That much I knew about Truman, yes. Yeah, Truman integrated the Army, and uh, he pushed for integration of uh, public schools across the country. And and uh, Alvin Barkley was supposed to show up, the vice president, at one of my mother's uh, meetings when she was chairperson of the President's Commission on Youth and Child Welfare. And uh, I guess he's, he had some conflicting uh, scheduling problem, and he sent her a really nice letter, which I, I stored away somewhere, and I can't find it, apologizing for not making the meeting, the breakfast meeting. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. My, my mother and the VP chit-chatting. Did your mother ever get to go to the White House? Was she invited to dinners and things like that? You know, she never talked much about uh about her public life and what she did. And even in her obituary, she didn't even have MD behind her name. Although she graduated from Louisville Medical School in 43, uh, she put herself through college and medical school, believe it or not. Her father was a coal miner and uh, her older sister died or one of her older sisters and one of her, her other older sister, her father, Polish immigrant married her off in an arranged marriage to one of his friends who had emigrated to the United States. And so she was the oldest girl in the house when her mother died. Her mother was in her 40s. And so her father said, well, you're the oldest woman in the house, so you have to stay home and take care of the house. She's 16 years old. And in Ohio at that time, the state law said you had to go to school till you were 18. And of course, she went to school and she cried to the principal and the counselor or whatever they had back then. And they called the truant officer on the old man. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he went. They went out and told him uh, if she doesn't go to school, you go to jail. So <laughs> then she got to finish high school, valedictorian. She was a star of the uh, high school play in Steubenville, Ohio, which is, by the way, where Dean Martin came from. And by the way, Steubenville is the only city west of the Appalachians that President George Washington visited while he was in office. So that's pretty cool. A lot of history there. And uh, she put herself through Kent State. She, I think she actually got an associate degree and taught English for a few years and then went back and finished up her, her bachelor's and uh, got into the University of Louisville. And I asked her once, I said, Mom, how'd they treat you? She said, Billy, they treated me like a queen. And I always laugh when my sisters say, we didn't have the same advantages as you, Billy, because you're a male. And I'm like, your mother was a doctor, you idiots. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? She put herself through medical school. Well, women were treated poorly. I said, Mom, how were you treated? She said, Billy, they took care of me. Everybody treated me like a queen. Um, she did her internship at Charity Hospital in New Orleans, which was one of the one of the, the best picks that you could get to do your internship at that time. 
At that time, you had to do an internship before you could go into a residency. And most people didn't even go into residency. You know, they just did an internship and then became GPs. And I said, how'd they take care of you at, at charity? And she said, Billy, there were clean clothes on my bed. There was a tray of food. The women in the kitchen and, and housekeeping and maintenance checked on me all the time. I was taken care of like I was a goddess. I thought that was pretty cool. Pretty she, cool. She sounds like quite a lady. She must have been a genius, right? Must have been. Must have had an extremely high well, IQ. If you look at her son and and extrapolate back, of course she was a genius. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got to tell you this. You know, I really don't take a whole lot of credit for where I'm at in life other than I brought desire to the table. I got my parents' brain. And uh, although they both came from poor backgrounds, they were hard workers and, you know, they had white privilege or whatever you want to say. Um, but they worked their butts off, you know, they really did. And uh, my father grew up for a good part of his childhood without his father, who left the family. And uh, my mother from 16 on didn't have her mother and her father was a coal miner. So he didn't make much money. You know, he was uh, he was a they had a truck garden. And he was uh, a coal miner. So, and I asked her one time because she lived through the Great Depression. I said, "What was it like for you guys?" She said, "We didn't even know there was a depression going on. Dad still went to work, brought home a paycheck, not much, and we had our truck garden, and you know we swapped things with neighbors, and uh, life went on." So, she lived a pretty humble life and uh, saw great changes throughout the 20th century. Born in 1910, dad in 2006, so she was, what, 96 years old, and I, I was talking to her a year or two before she died. I said, gosh, Mom, what an interesting life she's that you've had, and she said, Billy, when I was born, we had a wood-burning stove. We had a hand-pump well for water. We had an outhouse. We had cold oil lamps for light. Can you believe that? No, I couldn't imagine living like that. And she said, and, and I've seen men on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> you have really spanned quite a, 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 a an era, a period of history, Mom. And she says, yep, I've been fortunate. But she never, never was a braggart, uh, never, uh, you wouldn't have known she was anything other than uh, a doctor, a pediatrician who took care of the kids in the county. And uh, fascinating to see the life that she led and, and think about all of the things that she accomplished. And, of course, her greatest accomplishment, which is yours truly. <laughs> Absolutely. Could not argue with without, that, Doc. Without a doubt. <laughs> my, and my sisters, they're so jealous. I just, I'll never figure it out. Are your sisters in the medical profession? I don't think I've ever asked you that. My uh, baby sister... Uh, was a was an intensive care neonatal intensive care nurse and uh, she got her bachelor's degree in Louisville in nursing dad saw to it that she was educated because she had two kids at that time and her husband I think and her were on the outs my older sister majored in uh, home economics but ended up being a social worker and my sister right beneath me she's had some medical problems all of her life so she never never did uh uh, have a career per se, although she was probably the smartest of the three of them. 
she was a smart girl. She still is alive, but I don't, I don't know how her brain's working now. She's getting older and been on psychiatric medications all of her life, so it makes it difficult to, to accomplish and to actually maintain your, your mental facilities because a lot of these major psychiatric medications are uh, damaging over time and cause things like Parkinson's disease and deterioration of brain cells. Although if there's nothing else out there, to help you have some kind of a life, what do you do, Ken? You take it. You don't have a lot of choice, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. What about your dad? We don't talk much about your dad. Oh, I hate that man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a smart guy. He, uh, he, he also graduated from the University of Louisville School of Medicine, and uh, he went into pediatrics also. But the reason he went into pediatrics is that he fell in love with my mother, who was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years older than him. And he chased the hell out of the poor woman. (laughs) (laughs) And he hated kids and he hated pediatrics, but he became a pediatrician because my mother was on staff teaching pediatrics at the University of Louisville as a resident or just graduated from residency when my dad was uh, going, going into residency. So he thought, hmm, how can I get a hold of this woman? I know. I'll go into her specialty and I'll chase her around the hallways, which he did. <laughs> and uh, he finally got her. But uh, well, we'll say more about that till next month on Father's Day. Yeah, Father's Day is next month. But he actually, uh, he was the first board-certified allergist immunologist in Louisville. He couldn't stand kids, so he went back when I was a, a youngster, and he trained as a uh, uh, as an allergist and immunologist, and he was the first board-certified guy in, in Louisville and Jefferson County, and in most of the state for that matter. And he had a practice, I mean a big practice. He had people from all over Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee. People came from all over. It, interesting to hear him talk, too, back in the 70s when we had the big big uh, recession, which was, by the way, bigger than the recession in 08, 09. Um, I said, Dad, how bad is it? He said, Billy, I'm getting paid in in produce. I'm getting <laughs> he got produce that you know people would come in from the country and they'd say, Doc, we can't pay you. And he'd say, What do you got? And they'd give him some apples or oranges or tomatoes or whatever. Bushel of corn, huh? Yeah. Yeah, bushel of corn, and uh, and of course he just gave it away because we didn't need it. I mean, we were we were okay. Well, but, you, got, uh, you got quite a family there, Doc. It's it's been a, a real fascinating uh, journey to have been part of this family and to realize how unique I am to have this lineage. But like I say, it, you know, my parents gave me the brain and my professors gave me the knowledge and the love of knowledge. And the only thing that I really brought to the table was desire, you know, a real, a real go getter kind of attitude. And I think it served me well. And I'm 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 proud to say that I'm the child of my parents, and I'm just you know I'm I'm ever in awe of my mother who, you wouldn't even I mean she, Ken she never talked about herself, we didn't even know she had been married, and her first husband had died until we were older, and we never fully got the whole story but apparently I guess he caught caught pneumonia back in the late 30s early 40s and died, so. And she didn't have any children from that marriage, although we think our older sister might have been from that marriage because we can't stand her. (laughs) (laughs) 
she looks a lot like us and talks and acts a lot like us, but we just don't like her. So we always say, eh, she must have God must have been from another another father. <laughs> Is that wrong? Uh, Doc, you know, you, hey, you can't tell. Well, you got to check the DNA. You got to check the DNA. Well, I don't know if she'll let us do that. <laughs> but she's still your sister, so at least you're half-sister. Whatever you, whatever you say, she's still my sister. And the last conversation I had with her, she said, I hate Trump, and she slammed the phone down, and that was the end of that. I haven't talked to her in a couple of years. Oh, my God. And here he comes again. Boy, that'll get him going, won't it? Where's he standing? Has he, has he said anything further? I haven't been listening too closely about what his presidential aspirations are in 24. Has he uh, made any more comments about that? Not yet. Not yet. He has not made any comments about it. And I think that uh, uh, he's probably going to run, although you never know. I mean, you don't know all of the machinations that go on behind the scenes when it comes to uh, politics and and he's no spring chicken either. He must have health problems like most people in their 70s have. Well, well, yeah, speaking of health problems, yeah. I woke up the other morning and I'm back in atrial fibrillation. For those of you who don't know what atrial fibrillation is, it's uh, it's where the top of the heart has an irregular electrical rhythm that the, the left and right atria receive blood from the, the right atrium from the body, from the from the veins, the great veins, and then the left side from the veins in the lung, and then the right side of the heart, the right ventricle, pumps blood out to the lungs, and the carbon dioxide is released in, and oxygen is exchanged and brought back in, and then you exhale the carbon dioxide. And so if you are aging, uh, the conduction system can wear out. If you have a stretch of your atria from like a bad... Uh, a defective uh, valve, a leaky valve, or a, a constricted valve between the top and the bottom of the heart. Uh, you can have atrial fibrillation. If you're, um, if you're a little bit of a beer drinker, like some people we know on this show, <laughs> <laughs> that can cause it. Uh, um, infections, different things can cause it, but it's not uncommon as we grow older, Ken. I think you've had that. In the I've past. got it. It's it's sporadic. It's not constant, but the medication takes care of it pretty well. Yeah, and so my heart rate was like 150, and mm. everybody in the lunchroom was like, "Oh my God, you got to go to the emergency room." I said, "No, I'm not going to the emergency room. I just took took the medicine that they would have given me in the emergency room anyway." Myself, being the uh, the cantankerous old goat that I am. And um, so I'm back in sinus rhythm now, uh, and I'm taking the medication. Uh, but uh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to stop drinking, Ken, that, which is breaking my heart. You know, there's just not much. You get to a point in life and you think, well, what am I going to do now? Well, I'll sit down and have a beer. I mean, that's... Well, one beer every now and then can't hurt you, Doc. You can't, you can't give up all the pleasures in life. No. What fun no. is life then? what fun is life, but you got to take care of the old ticker. Any rate, I'm back in sinus and I'm feeling great. Rode my bike yesterday for a half an hour and I'm, 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 I'm doing well. I Even mean, in that heat, you're out there, right? It was hot yesterday. You're out there riding your bike. Huh? Well, you know, and at my age, you, you would think, how can this old goat get on a bicycle and ride for a half an hour or, or an hour? And I mean, I'm not going five miles an hour. I'm about eight to 10 miles an hour, which isn't bad for a guy my age. 
Yeah, but you're not going uphill. Well, you know what? I rode up uh, the day before I went on day five, and I'm wondering if the activity is what threw me into it. I rode all the way up to the trail, to the Pinellas Trail, which for those of you who don't know is an old railroad bed that has been turned into a bicycle trail that runs the length of the county. I think it's about 40 miles long, and there's a spur that goes out to Honeymoon Island, and there's, I mean, it's a its a really neat uh, uh, asset that we have here in St. Pete. And so I rode all the way up to Fifth Avenue North from, from uh, 22nd Avenue South, and I got on the trail, and I came up, and there's a, a, a bridge that goes over Pasadena Avenue, which is pretty steep. I rode up that sucker and rode back down. <laughs> so I was huffing and puffing, of course, but I did it. Because I find that uh, extreme heat can set off my AFib. Yeah, I, and that's probably what did it was exercise and heat. But it's time that I give up the drinking, and, and I do this about every 10 years. I'll drink for 10 years, and I'll stop for 10 years. So I think I'm going to give it up for another decade, and, and then when I'm in my 80s, I'm going to start, and I'm really going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finish it off with a lot of drinking. That's I'm the way they go, Doc. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so did you see that, speaking of Kentucky and Louisville, did you see the Derby? 80 to one shot. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm holding up my mug with the uh, with the horse on it from Louisville Stoneware in, in, in honor of the Derby yesterday. And uh, uh, the uh, Rich Strike is the name of the horse that won it. The time wasn't that great. It was like 2.02 and, and change. Uh, nobody's gotten close to Secretariat's record yet, which is, I think, 158 and change. And you say, well, that's, you know, three or four seconds. That's no big deal. That is a tremendous distance between horses because their stride is so long and they're moving so fast. I mean, these animals are moving at 40 miles an hour. Can you believe that? Over over a distance, nothing on earth is as fast as a thoroughbred. Did you know that? No kidding. I thought maybe a cheetah might make that as well. They can't keep up. Oh, they can't mile. do the distance. They can they can hit a high speed, but for a short period of time. Yeah. They can sprint for a few hundred yards, but a mile, a mile and a quarter, a mile and a half. It's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Right. This guy went off at 80 to one, 80 to one. So if you'd put down $2 on a bet, you would have gotten back 163. So let's look at it this way. If you had bet a thousand dollars, you would have gotten back about $85,000. Not a lot of people got a guts to do that on 81 to shot. Where was I? (laughs) (laughs) After the Hey, after the race, it's easy. Yeah. And this horse wasn't even uh, wasn't even uh, on the schedule until there was a cancellation. He was an alternate because he wasn't that great, supposedly, and he won it. Well, can he do it again? We'll see what happens at the Belmont and the Preakness. Yeah, well, you know, if he does, he'll be uh, one of the all-time greats. But uh, it's hard to do to win the Triple Crown. That's that's tough for these young horses, uh, and you know they have to love the limelight. Remember a few years ago, one of the young Colts, he bolted off of the track when he made the final turn and he saw all the crowd in the grandstand. He got scared and he ran off. <laughs> I'm done. I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. I said, he said, I don't want to see all these people. Get me out of here. It is the most exciting two minutes in sports. It is. That and the end of the Stanley Cup. That, yes. Those two most exciting moments in sports and you just you can't really feel it unless you're there 
You can watch the Stanley Cup or the Derby on TV, but it's not the same when you're in the stands and you're seeing those horses and feeling them thundering down the the uh, down the home stretch. And I, I mean, you got animals that are almost 2,000 pounds, and you got 20 of them across. Uh, you know, it's just, it's like a small earthquake. It it really is, shakes you. I was hanging on the back stretch when Secretariat ran. Cool for those. For those of you who don't know who Secretariat is, he was the greatest horse of all time. He and and Man of War and John Henry was also a great one. They say Seabiscuit was great, but he couldn't have held a, a cup of water to these guys. West Coast, you know, come on. <laughs> I love, I've not been to the Kentucky Derby, but I have been to the Indianapolis 500. And the, watching it on TV is not like being there in the stands. You know, I love sports car racing, but I can't stand the noise. I cannot take it. Oh, it that's is. the best part of it. The noise and the feel of it when they go by you. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, I was on the back stretch, and that was before they had put the grass track uh, in. So the fence was closer to the to the rail. The rail is the uh, the part of the track that defines the the circle itself and the horses are maintained within that and so uh the national guard was there because they're always there trying to keep control of of drunken college kids like <laughs> and, and <laughs> didn't work by the way <laughs> and so when the when the derby starts when they blow the horn and you know call the horses to the to the starting gate i mean everything drops you you can't believe it you can be in the wealthiest box in the Derby, and all of a sudden, everybody, including the janitor, is outside in your box with you, and everybody's yelling and screaming and stomping. And so I climbed up on the on the uh, chain link fence about eight or ten feet and watched Secretariat and the other horses come down the back stretch. And I'm swinging back and forth, Ken, and I'm yelling, Secretariat, Secretariat, God on earth, God on earth. And uh, they came thundering by, and I was I was there. I saw it firsthand. You have any money on Secretariat? Hell, I didn't have any money. Period. I oh. <laughs> had enough for a six pack of beer. <laughs> I was I was in college or medical. I think I was seventy three. I was probably a freshman in medical school. All right. So, well, speaking of medical school, it's time for today's question. Okay. Let's get on to it. Here, we're going to get some coffee and do a little news here in just a second. But first, today's question for this is good for two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs, and uh, regular listeners know that the question for the mugs always has to do with something we talked about at the beginning of the show. So tell me, what did the doc's mother do for a profession? What did the doc's mothers do, do for a profession? And uh, first caller at 877 969 8600 wins. That's 877 877- Nine six nine eight six zero zero. If you knew what Doc Mother did for a profession, you are the first caller. You'll win the two bucks. So give us a call right now at eight seven seven nine six nine eighty six hundred. Doc, you gonna get some Joe? I'm gonna get some Joe. And if anybody did not get their mug because you know I was out with the COVID a few weeks ago, just just call Ken and let him know, and we'll we'll get it to you. Any winners that have not received theirs, let us know. Okay? Absolutely. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere. Ta ta. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. 
Britain will provide an extra $1.6 billion in military support to Ukraine to help the country defend against Russian forces. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and President Joe Biden and leaders from other group of seven countries are expected to hold online talks with the Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky today to discuss further support. Police in Raleigh, North Carolina say officers have shot and killed a man who was throwing Molotov cocktails and setting cars on fire near the police station. That fatal shooting took place on Saturday. And country star Mickey Gilly has passed away. He was 86 years old, known for such hits as Window Up Above and for the Texas Hockey Talk he owned that inspired the hit film Urban Cowboy. It inspired all kinds of changes in dress and different kinds of Western-themed clubs across the country. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. If you owe the IRS back taxes, then get ready to pay up. The IRS has giant private collection agencies actively tracking down folks who owe the IRS. So if if you think dodging them was stressful in the past, it's going to get a whole lot tougher. Optima Tax Relief has this advice. Don't wait. Solve your tax problems now before it's too late. Optima Tax Relief works to stop the demand letters, stop the aggressive collection actions, and stop the IRS collectors from targeting you. Ask Optima about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands, and nobody knows this program better than they do. Optima is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and They get results, having resolved over a billion dollars of tax debt for their clients. Get a fresh start. Call today for your free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 
Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Your local radio stations are here for you. No subscriptions or monthly fees necessary. We're here to give you the news, weather, and traffic you need and the music you love. But if the foreign-owned record labels get their way, it could stop the music. They want Congress to force radio stations to pay them more money simply to play their music. Don't let radio go silent. Text LOCAL to 52886 and tell Congress to protect local radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. AM 860, The Answer. Online at TheAnswerTampa.com. Odyssey. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Partly sunny and humid today with a high of 88. Clear skies for tonight with a low 70. Plenty of sunshine for Monday with a high of 88. And Tuesday, mostly sunny skies with a high again of 88. Plan with confidence. Download the redesigned AccuWeather app today. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. Dr. Bill, I got Ken with me today again. We're doing a show. Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. And uh, too bad about all this chaos and discord over abortion, Ken, but uh, what are you going to do? It's been going on for how many years now? Oh, it was in the 70s that Roe versus Wade. And, and the woman that, that uh, I think was Roe, was, she, she said she's sorry she did the whole thing. She's sorry she had an abortion. She's sorry she got in the middle of it. And she doesn't agree with it either. And, you know, Nathanson, the, uh, the, from the Jewish side of the family, of course, he was an OBGYN in the 50s and 60s. And, and he was the, uh, the head of this whole abortion movement. And then when ultrasound came out in the 70s and he saw the, you know, the fetuses moving around inside the womb, he changed his mind and he said, you know, abortion isn't right. It's, this is wrong. What did I do this for? And he converted from Judaism to Catholicism and uh, actually wrote a book in the 90s about the whole experience. He said, most of the uh, of the data that we fed the press was made up, like all the women that were dying in back alley abortions was just a bunch of nonsense. And uh, But what are you going to do? Well, I'm, did, I, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of effect it has in the fall on the election. I don't think it's going to really uh, have that much of an effect because you think about it and, and look, if you're a 45, 50 year old woman and you went through that whole era of our bodies ourselves and we should have the right to do what we want with our bodies and you say, well, wait a minute, I'm not going to have a baby. What do I care? <laughs> I mean, you know, if you balance it out, what do you want? Do you, do you, do you want the right to have a baby uh, when you can't? Or would you rather have a stable economy and a world at peace and, you know, all the things that we're talking about in the conservative side of the press and, and news? I, I, I mean, I may be wrong. I think the initial uh, crush of, of, of opinions was that it was going to affect the, the election. But, of course, it's like any emotional upsurge. It dies down after a while. You know, it takes about 15 to 30 minutes to calm down after you've gotten mad and killed your wife and <laughs> got to pull a story together. You know? Now, when it comes right down to it, in the end, people vote their pocketbook. They vote their pocketbooks and they vote for, for peace. And, uh, you know, you, you can't have peace if you have appeasement. They don't go... The, they don't go hand in hand, and uh, we see this ramping up. Here we've got this Lend-Lease Act that's coming back in. Most people don't know what that is. 
the Lend-Lease Act was the act that uh, FDR and the Congress passed in the late 1930s in order to help Great Britain by uh, giving them goods and equipment and food and supplies and armaments. And in return, I think we got the U.S. Virgin Islands. And uh, that's how we started our involvement in World War II. Good trade. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, it, kept, it kept Britain alive. It kept Britain alive, and thank God for for Britain and 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 for that stiff upper lip, and they they saved the world from tyranny. I mean, I wouldn't be here, that's for sure. My father was a Jew; he would have been killed. So, at any rate, hey, speaking of um, being being a doctor and all, what is going on with Putin? What what do you see when you look at him now? Is this a man who's dying? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that, uh, you know, that there's a certain uh, pity uh, element that the press in, in Russia is trying to play on. But I think that a lot of his inner circle agree with him. You know, their whole push is to secure the Black Sea because they don't really have a warm water port. But guess what? Their their traditional enemy, Turkey, controls the Bosphorus and the, and the Dardanelles. And that's that narrow little strip of water that goes between Asia and Europe, between Greece and Turkey, or what was Greece. Now, I don't know if Turkey, I think Turkey has that side of it, too. They beat up on the Greeks over the years. And remember that this is such a narrow body of water that Xerxes, the Persian uh, god king general, he actually built a pontoon bridge across that 2,500 years ago, Ken, marched a quarter of a million men across it, horses, chariots, uh, supply wagons, medical, everything, across the, the, the straits. Can you believe that? 2,500 years ago, he built a pontoon bridge and moved all these men and troops into uh, Greece. And you remember that movie, The 300, about the uh, Spartans who held them off at uh, Thermosthenes? You remember that? I don't think I've seen that. Oh, you should watch that. You know, there was a small group of, uh, I think there may have been several thousand Greeks uh, led by 300 of Sparta's best. And they picked a narrow pass between the sea and the mountains. And they held off a quarter of a million men uh, for two or three days and slowed them down. And that gave the the Greek Navy, the Athenian Navy, the ability to to intercept the Persian Navy and the Greeks had the superior uh, equipment, although fewer numbers. And they, uh, the way they would do it is they would ram you. So you you had to have a really heavy uh, bow, prow. You know, the front had to be really strong. So you'd reinforce that with metal. And then you'd have your sails and your guys rowing. And what you would do is you would try to ram the other guy in the mid-center and cut him in half so that they couldn't bring their troops ashore. And so the Athenians defeated them. The Greeks defeated them. Uh, Thermistenes was, I believe, the Athenian leader, and Thermopolis was the area of the battle. But they, they beat back the Persians, and, uh, and damn Persians, they're always trying to take over. What's wrong with those people? I don't know. They've been in trouble for a long time. Can't they just be happy with Iran? Why do they have to have everything else? <laughs> At any rate, they got oil. They've got natural resources. They're... They've got a, a fairly intelligent population, and uh, I don't know. Any rate, one thing I do know, Doc, is, we got that, a is that JoJo, JoJo Wenski of St. Pete, 
came up with the correct answer for today's trivia question, and he has won his two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. They'll be out as soon as Doc can get them in the mail. And the uh, correct answer, well, the question was, what was the doctor's mother's profession? And, Doc, the correct answer is? Um, What did she do? She had me. (laughs) In her spare time, she practiced medicine. (laughs) That's right. She She was was a a doctor. And she was on presidential councils for uh, for Truman, Eisenhower, and Kennedy on youth and child welfare. And she was on she was chairman of the state committee uh, in the 19 early 1950s to integrate the public schools in, in Kentucky. And she did a whole bunch of other things. She was a, a, a tremendously active and vibrant and interesting woman. And she taught me English. I mean, she she would quote Shakespeare and and uh, John Donne and Spencer and all these people. Of course, I was a kid. I didn't know what she was quoting, but I still carry a lot of those quotes with me. So fascinating lady. Fascinating lady. Congratulations, JoJo. JoJo Wenski of St. Pete. You are a winner today. We'll get that out to you as soon as we can. Thanks, JoJo. We appreciate you listening. Now, is JoJo male or female? Do we know? I don't know. Well, uh, JoJo, um, I won't make any reference to gender, but thank you very much for being with us. Well, I'm getting a note now. JoJo was is a man. JoJo is a man. Well, JoJo, the men of the world thank you, and the mothers of the world, uh, what did the mothers of the world do? They had you. They had you, and the men thank you. Wasn't that a uh, Beatles lyric? JoJo was a man. I was a loner. <laughs> I think it was. Get back. Get, get back. back. Yes, I'm back. Yeah. He found uh, Gideon's Bible or something. I don't know. Great song. Yeah, yeah, great song. So I've been struggling with this whole time travel thing, though, Ken. Time travel? Yeah, I wanted to go back in time and meet my mother when she was young and and vibrant and before she had me and see what kind of a woman she was. But apparently you can't go back in time, according to Einstein's theory. Well, now there's some guy at, at some physicist at a university, and he says, well, what if there are two timelines? You know, the paradox is if you travel back in time and you kill your grandfather, then you're not going to exist anymore. You know, you know what I'm saying? Sure. You, you've eliminated yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's saying, well, actually, there's two timelines that could be uh, a second one could be created by you going back in time and changing things. And everybody's like, wait a minute, that doesn't fit in with with Einstein's uh, theories of relativity, special and general relativity. But. At the quantum level, and we've talked a little bit about quantum physics, quantum mechanics, an, an, an entity can exist at, in two different places at the same time. How for, can that be? For a brief period of time. Yeah, the, these are very, very brief periods of time, and something can be there and not be there. So, you know, it's like Schrodinger, Schrodinger's cat. Cat can be dead and alive at the same time. I mean, that it really doesn't fit into... What we think of as physics and logic, but at the uh, subatomic level, you know, you can't know where an electron is. Did you know that? You cannot know. You can measure its movement. You can you can use it for energy, but you don't even know if it's a real particle or if it's just an electromagnetic wave. So it, you you can't see an electron. You no well of course you can't because you can never locate it at one point in time. So it exists everywhere all at once. 
within its little world. How can that be? How can the, and how can we use this stuff for energy? It doesn't make any sense, but apparently this guy says, well, you know, at a quantum level, why not? If an, if an electron can be at two places at the same time, why can't you have two separate events going on with the same individual at the same time? I guess I guess it's possible. I don't know. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. At any rate, that was that. All right, and then, then the Chinese are, are getting messages from aliens at their observatory, so we have to keep an eye on that. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? I hadn't heard this yet. They have apparently, uh, let me see, well, let me pull that what? back. <laughs> They're getting uh, messages from aliens. They think. They want more Chuck Berry. Send more Chuck Berry. <laughs> no, they like NBA basketball. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, they're receiving a coherent laser message from somewhere. Now, they don't know whether it's, uh, uh, you know, an alien entity, which, of course, it's not going to be because you'd have to have the, the power of a, a quasar to send that kind of stuff out, or if it's just a quasar that's shooting out a laser beam that uh, is making it all the way to the Earth. Nothing interferes with it, but... They've got this this observatory that I guess is the biggest radio observatory in the world now, and they're looking into space, and they're looking for intelligent life. Now, you know, uh, uh, Hawking said, we better not <laughs> call them here because it might not be such a good thing, uh, because if you look at colonialization of, of inferior cultures throughout time, the, the inferior cultures supposedly haven't fared that well. So we may not want to invite these people over here at this point in time from wherever they're coming from. Wherever this laser is coming from, it's, it's talk about space time. It's got to be, you know, thousands of light years away, maybe millions of light years or billions of light years even away. Yeah, I mean, the the, uh, the um, civilization that created it probably no longer exists. Very possible, yes. So I guess we don't have to worry too much. But, uh, but Hawkins you know, is right. You know, we don't, we don't know who we're talking to there. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, it could be an Independence, Independence Day scenario. I'm sure you've seen the movie where the, you know, they just go from one planet to another using up all the resources and killing all the people. Yeah, but, you know, Will Smith saved us, so. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we ruined his barbecue. <laughs> and, and then he slapped uh, uh, Chris Rock in the face. That was so. uncalled for. And it was out of time, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, meanwhile, back in China, there's a big push now uh, to teach kids to cook clean, raise small animals, because I guess they, and this is not uncommon in Oriental cultures, I saw it with my wife, they're so tracked into learning, uh, schooling, that they don't really get a well-rounded education like we do. They don't have... Uh, cooking classes and shop and all that that we have in our schools that you can take, you know, for an easy A or if you're not smart enough to understand you know, mathematics and two plus two equals four, you can take these other classes. But uh, so now there's a big push to teach the school kids how to take care of themselves because they don't know how to take care of themselves. So, you know, if you have a leak in your faucet, you call a plumber, uh, you know, whereas in the United States, Probably a third of the guys that have a leak in their faucet, well, they fix it themselves. And uh, yeah, I've think, done that many times. Sure, I think that's one of the great uh, assets of our our way of life is that 
we we are multi-tasking uh, and multifunctional, and uh, it, it comes into play. And you see this, as I've said before, when when you're in situations like wars or pandemics, where it it calls for thinking outside of the box, and and taking care of yourself. And of course, the the, the great uh, the great uh, example is the hedgerows in in France when the tanks were trying to get through them, they couldn't get through them. So somebody said, "Hey, wait a minute." What if we put one of those rakes that they use to pull things up on, you know, with the bulldozer and just put it on the front of the tank and it'll just rip everything out of the way? It worked. And, uh, and there were examples of that throughout World War II where chain of command completely fell apart. Yeah. And when things fall apart, you, you've got to do something to, to compensate or you're not going to make it. And the same way with the pandemic. You know, people improvised. Somebody said, hey, let's try this let's try that let's let's take plaquenil and of course when when the government when the president said let's take plaquenil then the whole world said no well that it became political yeah 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 it became political but uh but i i wonder if that's part of the uh, russian problem now they they are so dependent on getting uh, an answer they're so scared of making a decision by themselves that they have to get a, uh, an answer from somebody in a superior level and and that's uh, and 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 that's that's a real problem. And the Germans had the same problem in World War II. The troops wouldn't move until they got orders from headquarters from 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 Berlin that they could move. And so by the time Hitler decided, well, maybe the, the invasion at Normandy is real, we had already landed and established a beachhead, and then it was too late for the Germans. But uh, and I think the Chinese have some of that as well, where their, their troops mm-hmm. don't want to make any moves unless they get an order from somebody. Yeah, absolutely, because they don't want to go to jail. Uh, and and by the way, um, that same philosophy was to our detriment in Vietnam, because you know you couldn't do anything without. The Pentagon saying you could go ahead and do it. So I think I told this story before that my ex-brother-in-law was a captain in the army in the military in the infantry, and he was up in the northern part of the of the DMZ, and he watched there or they watched the Tet Offensive setting up, and they were saying to their superior officers, "You got to let us go out and stop these guys. They're going to attack us," and Washington wouldn't let them do it. Oh yeah, that was. Vietnam, I think we learned a lot of lessons. I think uh, the Pentagon learned a lot of lessons about letting the guys make their own decisions because they can't wait for the war room to come back and say, okay, go ahead. No, and especially with things moving as fast as they move now. Yeah. But now instead of the instead of the War Department doing it, it's lawyers. So <laughs> you got to call back and say, hey, I got a, I got a terrorist in my sights with my, you know, my 6.67 and uh, I can take him out. Can I have permission? And then, so then they ask a lawyer, can he have permission? What the hell does a lawyer have to do with, with this? I don't get it. Anyway, <laughs> what are you going to do? And now the president, who says he's going to seize Russian assets of the oligarchs, uh, there's actually a law on the books that says you can't do that. Congress said you can't seize their assets. You can freeze them. Did you know that? I know we can freeze. We've, we've frozen a lot of stuff over the years, yeah, but... I didn't the, know we had a law that said you couldn't. So we can't get any of those yachts because I was hoping to get a bargain on a yacht. You know, I was looking at the government uh, uh, auction site, and I haven't seen any come up yet, but you can get some drug dealers' yachts if you want. Oh, right that's cool. They, yeah, they have pretty good cars, too, I understand. So. Yeah, there's a nice 110-footer with a helicopter pad on it. I can get you a deal on that for a million. <laughs> 
Oh, so I, well, we, I'm all in favor of, of uh, confiscating drug dealer um, cars and trucks and houses. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. And speaking of our military, did you know that uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken tested positive for COVID? I did not know that. So this was on the 5th of May, which is what, three days ago? He was supposed to go on a trip, a uh, long-awaited uh, trip to the Orient, I guess. Everybody that's supposed to go to the Orient and meet with somebody, the vice president and everybody else, they all came down with COVID. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But uh, at any rate, he apparently came down positive for COVID. This is our super intelligent, everybody wear a mask, everybody get vaccinated uh, democratic regime, and they're all coming down with COVID. Well, they've all been vaccinated, so I guess they're doing okay. Well, they say they've all been vaccinated, but you don't know unless you were there. That's true. All I know is I've been vaccinated, and that's all I really cared about. Well, yeah, because it's your job to take care of you so that you can take care of me on Sunday. (laughs) That's why I did it, Doc, just so I could be here every Sunday. And it's my job to see that you and everybody else around me are taken care of so you guys can take care of me later. So one hand washes the other. It's worked out very well. It's been a good relationship. I've enjoyed it. Yes, and 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 you're alive. I am. And you're Which, keeping me. I was just in the office on Friday. So, uh, yeah, you're keeping me alive. You're doing a good job. Very I'm, pleased. I'm, I'm trying my best. Now, the latest is that uh, this is uh, science translational medicine. So it's kind of a headliney, splashy thing, but it's it's got a little quirk to it. It says mutations in the virus. Uh, confer resistance to remdesivir. Remdesivir is the intravenous drug that we have used throughout the pandemic for people who are in the hospital and really sick. It's not actually the remdesivir, but it's a precursor to the remdesivir. And it's only been shown in the lab to to, uh, have uh, the virus mutate enough to be resistant to it. So we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. And I'm not sure that it's going anywhere. But we got to, you know, we've got to report all the facts, Ken. That's what we do. Well, the numbers are going up in infections again, but I don't see the numbers going up in hospitalizations. So. No, no, no. They're not going up in hospitalizations, and they're not, uh, they're, they're not, there's no great increase in deaths. I mean, I've had a couple of deaths, but they've been people who've had other problems, like I talked about last week, the guy who had the, the infection of his colon and it got uh, ischemic and lost its blood supply and it ruptured and he had surgery and all that. He tested positive and I think he's the one that gave me my case of it. But uh, he he wasn't that sick when he first came in with the COVID. He was sick with his belly. Any rate, so we've got now the Russians and the Chinese putting out disinformation about us and. Uh, one of the things that the Chinese and the Russians are saying is that we had 46 or seven uh, biological weapons laboratories in the Ukraine, which wasn't true. They were mostly research facilities for vaccinations and uh, how to combat exotic uh, uh, infections and take care of yourself uh, in the event that there was an attack or there was a pandemic. So, at any rate, these are facts that we'll go through next week because we're getting kind of late in the show here, Ken. we got about a minute, 10 seconds left. And so we got to talk once more about mothers, and we got to thank you guys for 
having us and putting up with us and kicking Thank us Thank you out. for listening to Dr. Oh, Bill, we're gone. Radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Clinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.